we're going to take a minute to recognize our sponsors. At Borehole Seismic LLC, borehole, surface, and shallow buried array microseismic is their specialty. They deliver accurate and unbiased results superior to those of larger service companies. A standard microseismic velocity model assumes an isotropic medium. Borehole Seismic LLC incorporates more parameters to develop an anisotropic model to battle the real complexities of the unconventional targets. For more information, visit their website at boreholeseismic.com. Their headquarters are located in Houston, Texas. Office phone number is 281 306-2097 and contact Bo Howell through LinkedIn. Roberts Accounting, providing a low pressure approach to personal and professional services. They have an excellent client retention rate and are extremely proud of their high quality services that their firm provides. Working closely with their clientele and tax planning and preparation provides a clear picture of tax liabilities and potential ways of avoiding them. Fostering a proactive mindset amongst clients reduces the stresses taxes can cause. They strive to help make the final tax returns a foregone conclusion, rather than a pitfall of potential surprises and setbacks. They encourage their clients to stay in constant contact throughout the years to keep them informed of the changes and the events that will influence their tax situation. For more information, please call 818-884-2334 or visit robertsaccounting.com. Mudrock Studio is located in the heart of the Permian Basin, Midland, Texas. It's a world-class recording studio. Contact Anthony Nieto at 432-557-1055. UTPB is getting ready for their third annual Geoscience Symposium. The symposium has had terrific success with professionals from the local oil and gas industry coming in to check out the students' research. The symposium this year will include UTPB President Dr. Woodley, Dr. John Rotson, Stanford graduate and President of the Basin Dynamics, as keynote speaker along with multiple students' oral and poster presentations. Mark your calendars, y'all. It's on April 25th. Three, two, one. Let's, Let's go. go. All right. The, this is the episode zero, the idea of or the concept of introducing the podcast. We're, we're going to start with this why concept of doing this, and that's a Simon Sinek thing. If you don't follow him or you haven't seen those videos, go out and listen to them. If you start with why and this why concept, you're going to have this kind of reason for life. So we're going to start with why. Why are we doing this podcast with our, our major leaders and legends from the Permian Basin, which is going to be on this show. We're going to start releasing the Permian Basin Experience podcast, and the, the slogan is from conception to completion, all things Permian Basin. And, and so we got Matt, the Skip Scipio. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? Are you pumped to be here? Of course, man. Of That's course. what I wanted to hear. I mean, wanted to hear it. What about P Dog? Hey, excited to be here. Great to learn some geology. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that kind of worked out. Uh, we have a little bit of an outline that we're going to try to follow. Um, we're 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 obviously just excited that we're finally here. We're finally getting this thing off the ground. This is episode zero, and we have a real reason to be here. Simon Sinek says, if you go to his website, imagine a world in which the vast majority of us wake up inspired. We feel safe at work and we return home fulfilled at the end of the day. And so imagine that world. And, and so that's this whole concept of starting with why, having a purpose. And so Skips, no pressure, but no. let's start with your why. I mean, the biggest reason I'm here, being a young professional in the oil and gas industry, and, and my career is just starting. So I'm, I'm two and a half years in. It's the big questions that I want answered is, you know, what was used in the past in oil and gas and how can we 
take those things, those lessons that have been learned and apply them today? And how can we continue to push the science? How can we continue to improve our exploration methods yeah. and, you know, just become more efficient as an industry as a whole? You know, what is that next step? And that's what we're here to find out. Talking to, you know, veterans of the game, you know. True legends. Oh, true yeah. legends. True legends to, the, you know, the up and coming. Well, not even up and coming. They've already proven themselves. But right. these individuals who are pushing the science to the, right. to the next level, not only with the geosciences, but with engineering and just the business aspect as a whole. Yeah. You'd imagine they have all the money in the world and they're on the front lines of interpretations. They got all the data. They're drilling all the wells. These big public company guys that are seeing all this. That's who we're interviewing with. That's who we're talking with. We're going through their careers. We're going through technical questions that we have. We, as you said, two and a half years in, we got a lot to learn, but we've learned a lot and we have a lot of questions. Oh yeah. P-Dog, give us the scoop, man. Yeah, Why? You know, we are young geoscientists working in the industry and we try to create these earth models and come up with our best estimate of what the rock should look like away from the well bore. And like you said, by doing so, we end up with more questions than answers at the end of the day. I feel like we are the generation that where machine learning is the next big thing and it is being implemented in the oil and gas. Since we are the young geoscientists, it is our responsibility to understand the science, right? That's right. To be able to map these dynamic stresses around the rock. That's right. And come up with a more predictive model. That's exactly right. And so yeah, that's why I'm here to better understand the science of these unconventionals. I love it. All right, let's cheers to this real quick. We got some whiskey on the show. We can't thank Mudrock Studio enough allowing us to do this live. Anytime we get uh, we get someone or we want to do it, we get to come in here. So my why I'm not going to try. I'm trying to not go on tangents, but I personally have been doing this now for five years, and I I just came. I went into my undergrad later in life. I had a different perspective of what's going on, and with science, I immediately realized and picked up on that. There are a lot of major assumptions that even lead to some of the laws of physics, right? The law of gravity and these, and then we have theories and then hypotheses and it all kind of gets jumbled up and we start taking some of that stuff as just ground truth and we run with it. But geology is such a young science and that's what I loved about it immediately was geology is the last thing to be applied to the earth. Like chemists, they're sitting in black box somewhere, physicists, they're all just thinking incredibly difficult, high level concepts. Well, it's our jobs to apply those things to the earth and start making predictions. And that's what I love about geology. And that's why geology is, is probably realistically 50 years behind in concepts and, and applying it to the rock of the earth and the processes of earth. We're behind. We, we, we apply these fundamentals that we learn in, in school and stuff, but we're not using and how well, to apply? be honest, we do use some physics to understand oh, yeah. 100%, 100%. like all these porosity logs that we use NMR, for example. Dude, the science, yeah. It's what all we based on particle interaction. We are not, at the end of the day, recovering the hydrocarbon that's in the rock. If we have 100% hydrocarbon in our rocks, the unconventional plays, we're getting 20 to 30%, and that's being super generous. The average is probably less than 10%. So as an industry, and after going through academia and working my ass off to get my bachelor's degree and, uh, and master's degree and, and learn just geology at its core, 
I had to get 90% or betters to satisfy those scholarships and those things. And all of a sudden, I get, we're in an industry where 10 to 15% is totally accepted. At what point did 10, 15% ever become accepted? Mm-hmm. So something is wrong. We have engineering allowing us to go horizontal and do fracking. We have technology that allows us to put better fracks away and more propping away and create more connectivity. But at the end of the day, right now, we are still lost in this industry and in this unconventional play. And it's about the rocks. We we are three. We are young geoscientists. We have a physicist, truly, that's doing amazing geophysics work, and we're training him to be a geologist, young Pedo. And then we got Skip, we'll get you incredibly there. good at time. structure. And so now we're going to just kind of go in just for a minute and introduce kind of where we actually came from in a little bit more detail, and allow the listeners and everyone to to be a part of this show. That we're just we we're on a similar trajectory that you are on as a listener. We learned and applied ourselves and worked our asses off to get through school, to get our jobs. And now we're in this industry and we're trying to make it better. So with Skips, I mean, you're, you came out of CLU. We worked together in undergrad. We were in the trenches together in undergrad. It was phenomenal. Grinding it out. Yes, sir. And uh, met some unbelievable people that led to, right, led to connections that led to the Permian Basin. And now you're doing a thesis just real quick at your end game right now. You're about to graduate on a, doing a thesis on the Woodford. At 400 square mile uh, seismic shoot, you're doing a structural interpretation of the Woodford, which is clearly having, I mean, it has an effect on the reservoirs above, what's happening below. I mean, the, you tried to do something, I'm going to reservoir characterize the Woodford, <laughs> and now you're going down this rabbit hole of what was actually happening during the time of deposition of the Woodford, the Tobosa Basin. And yeah. I mean, so how did you get there? How did you get started? What got you in geology? You're in the oil and gas now. Let's Let's hear it. So, I mean taking it all the way back to the undergrad, you know, going into college, the only thing that I wanted to do was play soccer. Like growing up, I played soccer. I got recruited to a couple different schools and, you know, just due to some circumstances, you know, I ended up going to California Lutheran University. I got recruited to play there. First semester goes by, I'm an econ major. It's, you know, it's not something I love, but you know, it's something that I'm, I'm, it's going to be secure. I, I have family members in the industry and it's something that I can get a job with really quickly. Yep. After that first semester, unfortunately, didn't apply for classes on time. Mm-hmm. So me in a panic at CLU, your first semester, you're just given a random advisor. And my advisor at the time was the head of the geology department. So Dr. Billado. And Dr. Billado, Dr. B, he's like, all right, well, you know, we can't get you into the econ classes you want, but we can satisfy some core 21s. And he's like, I can get you into geology. That's no big, no big, no worry at all. I said, perfect, whatever. I just need, I just can't waste a semester. That, that's what this is about. So taking physical geology, you know, this is something that growing up, I always went fishing with my dad and and just explore the outdoors, camping, all other, all just adventuring in general. And all of a sudden I was able to take concepts from this class and apply it to the world around me. Whether my interpretations were right or wrong, it was a way to look at the earth, not only for its intrinsic beauty, but you know, from a scientific perspective as well. So you can say, man, that mountain is beautiful and I can explain why it's beautiful. Wow. You know, I can explain why on God's green earth, that is, <laughs> that is the way it is. And at that point I said, man, is there even a future in, in this, you know, doing this major and looking into it, oil and gas was the first thing that came up. And I was like, that's it, I'm sold. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the way I'm going. So, and that all happened during your undergrad. Yeah, this, this all happened during my first year in my undergrad. And after that, the story just kind of took off and, you know, 
went through field camp and, you know, applying for graduate schools. And luckily I got back in connection with Troy again. And Troy was out here in the Permian already. And he'll, can, he'll go into more detail about that part of the story later. Yeah, the savior. And he pulled, he's like, hey, man, just come out, visit UTPB. We got these great professors that are brand new, Dr. Verma, Dr. Zoba. You know, we got legends, Dr. Bob and Dr. Stout Did there as well. Did I tell you we well. win the IBA? Did I tell you we'd win the IBA? <laughs> you did. Who won it, though? You did. We, who was who, in it? The Southwest section. We won the Southwest section the year I said. And I said, Skips, you'd win it. You'd be on the winning team. was in that team? <laughs> co-host. Hell yeah. Unbelievable so, experience, that, for sure. But, you know, coming out here, start knocking on doors. I'm sure half the operators, their offices I went to, you know, they, my resume is still probably in their desk, you know, <laughs> just looking for a job as a geotech or just a young geoscientist yeah. s- somewhere, anywhere. I'd mop the floors at most of these companies, yeah. you know, if they gave me a shot. And, you know, that's just kind of where it, you know, the story continues today. Now working at Trey Resources with you guys as a geoscientist there, even though my role is, you know, a little combination geoscience, a little combination land. You know? <laughs> that's how private equity yeah, works, man. <laughs> got to be flexible. You got to be flexible. But incredible I Incredible education, though. Yeah. Incredible education you're getting. The land, you're understanding the, the ins and outs and the complexity of land and how it can sometimes drive the spud locations and exactly. the timing of that. Wait a minute. That's not our best spot. Well, we got to hold that acreage. Yeah. Just deal with it. <laughs> All right, P-Dog, what's, what about for you? Dude, so originally I'm from New Delhi, India. Uh, fun fact, I just found that out today. Almost all of the public transport systems in New Delhi runs on CNG now. So we are progressing more towards eco-friendly environment. So that's pretty cool for a population of that big of a city. So, all right, P, so you're in New Delhi. You're getting your education through the, the system there. Incredibly intense. Was it mm-hmm. seven days a week? What was it? Uh, I mean, the school is Monday to Friday. I think it was two t- eight to two. Oh, but usually after school, Slackers. if you're like, right? <laughs> so if you go, if you're like after 10th grade, you take these advanced courses so you can get into these higher education institutes. So I would say like seven days a week, you're grinding for like at least 12 hours a day. Yep. Wow. And that's why we are so smart in math. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. You want to differentiate or integrate? Where are you going Dude, from there? You everything. come to America? Yeah, so I went to high school over there. Then I came to U.S. to get my bachelor's in physics from Angelo State University. Small little town of San Angelo. Let's go Rams. There? The Rams. Yeah, Rams. Let's go Rams. Of course they have. Course <laughs> they have. See, like, that, what do they call that lake there? The Nasty Waters? Oh, like Nasworthy. Nasworthy. Oh, that's right. That's Nasworthy. Oh, I'm sorry. Not, that's not no offense. No offense, Dr. Satterfield. Oh, dude. All great right. professor. <laughs> but yeah, great program, physics, geology. Um, and that's where I actually got interested in nuclear and particle physics. Since I was going through those courses, it was just fascinating how particles, you know, interact with each other and how micro scale interactions can have micro effects. Um, So that sparked my interest. And initially, believe it or not, I wanted to go into radiology and study how particles interacted with magnetic forces to help us give a visual of this brain that we see, right? Like CT scan, MRI scans. Yeah. Do you know how that works, by the way? Negative. Negative. I mean, I probably figure it out, but no, I've never studied it. I mean, it's pretty much like the human body. It's with 60%. I guess an average adult is made of water. So if you put magnetic forces through it, the protons, uh, they align to the magnetic field. And when they come back to their original state, they emit radio signals. And that's what you measure to map the image of the brain. Checks out. And that, now the NMR does something, the NMR technology in our 
wireline tool comes from the medical field and this right. idea so, yeah, of measuring. Yeah, it's all based on magnetism and how it interacts with particles. Incredible. There's so much more to come with that tool, it seems like, for sure. That's a, that might be something for you to, to dive into at Trey. Develop the NMR tool. How can we get better? T1, T2 distributions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Complex. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my story, just to wrap it up on the on the deeper introductions. Grew up racing dirt bikes and just playing in the dirt, really, with my brothers and my dad my, my whole life. I thought I was going to be a professional motocross, supercross guy. Grew up with family, the Gossler family, which were just highly, highly competitive racers, and they were at our local track, so it elevated the competition completely of, of Southern California. That family single-handedly really did, and, and so we chased them, and we tried to compete with them. Their father was, is the most successful mechanic to ever live in the, in the industry. He's got more championships than any other mechanic, and, uh, and we had him right there at the local track, and so I ended up breaking most of my bones and trying to get through high school, and, and really school was fun. It was just the classes kind of got in the way when I was younger. And, uh, and I thought I was going to race dirt bikes. And then it was reality like, okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of going, trying to go that fast. Cause it hurts when you, when you fall. And so the transition in industry is if you don't make it as a pro and getting paid for that, you usually become a mechanic. So my dad was a mechanic. I enjoyed it. I thought I did. I started traveling the country, 18, 19 years old. And, uh, and it was awesome. It was, it was a great experience, not making anything, but being a part of that show and getting to meet these legends that I grew up idolizing, right? Got mm-hmm. to try, like meet these people anyway. Yeah, um, at least you get to travel the world. Travel the United States, yeah. All the major cities by the time I was like 19, 20 years old, it was coming to an end. And the mechanic that I grew up racing his kids and knowing, he just, he asked me one day, he's like, why do you want to do this for the rest of your life? And I'm looking at him like, are you kidding me? This dude's probably pulling in like a million a year wrenching right Mm -hmm. and traveling the country well he's got four kids a wife he's now in his 50s he's like no get out of this thing right (laughs) like that's what he was telling me and it always stuck in the back of my head and then my old man he's a diesel mechanic and a construction guy i'm like wow man i I can work my hands to the bones for the rest of my life and get retirement or i can try to do something with my brain and that was my that was it I, i went back to school i quit went back home had uh everything I, everything in front of me. So I started chasing it down. I was at a, at a practice facility on my dad's birthday, went head on with a water truck and literally almost lost my life. It it was, it was right there. I should not, yeah, easily be a a headline in a newspaper for a weekend as, as a kid, another kid dies at the dirt bike track, but I survived. I remember waking up and everyone's standing outside my helmet and I'm just, I can't talk. My jaw's all jacked up. My body was, I couldn't move. I'm going, what is going on? Had no memory of, of, of any of it for a long time and, uh, ended up passing a blood clot through my heart. And that's the one that really was supposed to probably take me out. The doctor was like, I I usually don't get to tell people this, but I don't know how that blood clot made it through your heart. And I woke up and, and it was in my lungs, so I couldn't breathe. And I was like gray colored. And anyway, got back into the hospital. They, they worked that out of my body. And I had this, I always had this energy to like be attracted to people that are doing things and doing good things. Like I got to meet Ricky Carmichael, one of the most successful dirt bike riders. And he, he's like, one of his statements is there's no difference between you and me. It's just, I got up and I went out and did it. I'm like, wow, I love that, man. This dude just works out, he grinds, and he just went out and did it. He chose something, and he did it. And that's that's the perspective I had. I always had that memory, and now I had this kind of just like, what is going on with this life? Why did I get this second chance kind of feeling, right? 
and I just went with it full bore. And there's a reason why I wake up before my alarm goes off, right? <laughs> Someday. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I started chasing down geology, man, and I fell in love. I absolutely fell in love. And, and the, the first mentor was a, a, just an old timer, past CSUN professor in California. And he's like, you'll never work a day in your life. It's, it's the best career. And I just believed him. I believed him, so I job shadowed a geologist out in ERA, and it was hook, line, and sinker. I changed my degree from I wanted to be Dr. Osteopathy after going through all that prob- all those problems I had, and a doctor saying, you're not going to be able to golf, you're not going to be able to do things because your body's messed up. I was able to recover and come back from that, and I golf now, right? And I'm like, I want to give that back to somebody, and that was my thing. And then I see geology, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is, this is badass. I could do this for the rest of my life. Oil and gas, I knew I wanted to do that. So every paper I wrote, everything I did at CLU, was about oil and gas, man. I knew I wanted to do that. Did some research. A family that I used to work for in the dirt bike industry lives in Midland. I'm like, oh, hey, you're a mentor of mine. Here's what I'm doing. He's like, you got to come to Midland. It's on fire. 2014, I come out and just bang on every door in downtown. I, I graduated in summer of 2014. I move in with my friend. Just to, He lets me borrow his car. I'm literally in downtown with a suit and 100-degree weather in Midland, windy, and uh, and banged on every door and every door I banged on they accepted me. Some people came out and were like, "I just needed to meet you." Like I don't, people just don't do this, right? And God, good job for you. You know what? I know a guy who knows a guy, right? And and you just, I just kept chasing that shit down, and I didn't stop until I finally got an offer. And Trey was one of the offers, an old timer that owned a bunch of Bakken. Uh, he really liked me, and he's like, man, my, he, he said his geotech just died. Yeah, and he's like, I really need one, and I love you. Uh, I really like you. And I'm like, man, it sounds good. Crown Quest was kind of on the list, and, and they I got to interview a little bit, and they're like, hey, we don't have much room, but maybe we'll put you in a hallway. I'm like, doesn't matter, right? We'll sweep yeah. floors. I'm here to <laughs> do this. And, uh, and Trey was truly a, a legit first offer, um, and, and I took it running. And, and Dave, being a CEO and a geologist himself, we, it was geology heavy. I got to work with Weibo Lu, just a petrologist that has seen so much core and described so many environments. Truly incredible experience getting to, in the industry and understanding the complexity of the rock is incredible. And then we tie it to wireline logs, which is averaging the complexity. And then we tie those wirelines to geophysics, which is averaging the complexity of the wirelines. And then we paint a picture of the subsurface and we tell the engineers, here's our reservoir. Let's get after it based on this vertical well where the logs we have. We're going to go lateral 7,500 feet from here, but here are the logs we have here. And uh, here's the size and shape of this thing. Let's get after it. And it, that's what I really fell in love with was, wait a minute, I got, I got to go back to the rocks, man. The, the complexity is why I'm here. We can't explain what's going on with these reservoir characters, characteristics of this thing. Why can't we predict which way it's going? Wait a minute. But at the end of the day, we got to make money with every decision, every dollar we spend. So we got to put well bores in the ground. We got to make money. But the geology is so incredibly complex in these basins. And I loved it when you got to come out and, and visit Skips. One of the first things you said was like, where are the outcrops? Where are our analogs for the mm-hmm. Permian? I mean, everything's underground. Everything's super old and underground. Well, coming from <laughs> California where you yeah. have every outcrop imaginable, right? You're, I mean, the Ventura Basin, for example, you go to the beach and you're looking at Monterey and you're like, all right, let's just go a thousand feet out that way. It's like, we know exactly <laughs> what we're drilling into. Like, no worries. Now we're correlating from... You know, all the way Glass Mountains, you know, we're correlating that to Wolf Camp all over the basin or vice versa. Anything on the Diablo platform from the Guads, just correlating it everywhere. Yeah. So what do you think the problem is? Is the deposition model too generalized or? 100%. Yeah. 100%. I, I think we're taking a we're taking a snapshot 
and we're applying it too far, right? Yeah. We're, we're seeing a very, very narrow window and we're taking that model and we're just painting it throughout the basin with a broad brush, right? You know, controlling this with sea level high stands and low stands, mm -hmm. and then from there trying to correlate it down to the deeper part of the basin. And I think that's where these massive assumptions are being made. And that's why we, we can't use these, you know, these older models, no. right, to, you know, correlate the unconventional game. It just doesn't work. It I just, just got work. done at a convention, and the whole first quarter of the freaking presentation used a geosyncline concept to bury the Permian Basin and to spring it back up. And I thought that was just absolutely crazy. I couldn't believe we were seeing that in 2019. I really couldn't. I understand the data points shows that it had to have gone under this kind of pressure and temperature, but the mechanism used to make it happen in his model was was absolutely frustrating as a young geoscientist. Knowing I, I just grinded through my undergrad and, and graduate degree, and, and I keep researching plate tectonic theory and all the newest things on the complexities of our Earth, and now I'm sitting and listening to a guy in 2019 use a geosyncline model to bury the Permian Basin and to spring it back up in 50 million years. The last 50 million years of time, he buries the whole Permian thousands of feet and springs it back up. Hey, man, there's a ton of subsidence during Basin and Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> he had a phenomenal presentation, but that mechanism, it, it kind of is the, the spark of this podcast is how no. in 2019 was that as, acceptable? As geoscientists, it's our job to create this story, right? right? And I think that's a big issue that we have nowadays is we just take a snapshot of what we see in a well log and we try to interpret that, you know, right. everywhere, opposed to actually trying to figure out where or why is this there, right? So example, the tectonic history. So why would something like this happen? How did something like this happen? And not only can we apply it here, but how can we take this and, you know, we see these same kinds of events happening in another location and create a better exploration model, right? Opposed to just saying, oh, it works here. Right. I think there's just a t there's there's more to this story. It's br we got to expand out of the Permian Basin, but the thing is, is the operators need to allow geoscientists to do this. Yeah. They should be paying us with our deg specific degrees and our specific knowledge and understanding of how rocks work. We need to not be landing wells and making sure that the well bore is in a 30-foot window when the engineers are telling us they're going to frack 400 feet above and below. But you better keep that well bore in that window or it's your job on the line. We are coming out of this very technical degree, got our asses whooped by our professors. I mean, we did. Yeah. That's what geologist professors do. I mean, <laughs> Dr. Bilodeau, yeah. he, will, he will pull you over the coals and let you burn. Yeah. <laughs> That's his way of teaching. Yeah. And, and I thank him see, every day for that. It's sink or swim. And, you sink know, or swim, dude. There, there's a reason why our, well, my graduate class, we started with eight. You know, we had eight people that were supposed to graduate. We ended with three. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was intense, man. But I thank him every day for that. Dr. Ritterbush with the paleontology. I mean, and that's what's going to be fun with, with grabbing people and pulling them on the show is that we're going to really dive into what education did they really get? Was your, mm -hmm. was your professor or your chair of the department a structural guy, a sedimentologist, a paleontologist, right? Grav mag. What was your, what yeah. was it? Because everybody can be kind of general, and understand physical geology to a pretty good level. But then from there, 
everyone dives in a little deeper on something specific and a little deeper, get their PhD, and then they come back and they're really a structural guy that understands sedimentology, carbonates, and he gets it. He's a PhD, but really focused on something else. So that's going to be really fun too, is, is bringing in these legends of the Permian Basin that have seen so much data, way more than we'll probably ever see in our careers, honestly. They're, we're bringing them in, we're asking them, what kind of training did you get? And then what did you learn in the industry, right? What what are you actually getting to do? And what do you know now? I mean, it's, I think it's, it's really fascinating, man. We have really good questions. And it's not just because I, we decided to do this podcast and we get together and drink and talk about these really good questions. This is because we talk to all, everybody, right? Yeah. We're we're involved in the societies. We go to these conventions and really we all have very similar questions. And it's, well, it might not be that, you know, these individuals don't have the same questions, but they definitely don't have the answers, right? right. And that's there what we're go. trying to do. We're trying to provoke people to, hey, maybe think outside the box a little bit, maybe question things, right? If you question it and you come back to the same conclusion, that's fantastic, right? But if you don't question it and you accept something blindly, Boom. that's where problems lie. That's where we are in this industry, in my personal opinion. In my opinion, that's where we are. And and the the this the results show it. Line up all operators that are making the most money in this industry. At best, they're getting twenty to thirty percent recovery factors out of something that they're they're leaving seventy percent or more hydrocarbon left behind, and they're depressurizing the whole area. And it's just it's it's a massive problem. We're now talking about how parent-child relationship works and getting longevity out of these things. And I think we're all waiting for some technology or something just to show up. Well. Why does it have to be technology again? Why does it have to be an engineering advancement again? Why did we leave the rock behind so long ago? Why can't we go back to doing geoscience and being geologists and understanding the physics and chemistry of the rock and understanding plate tectonic theory and all these things that drove all the rock on our planet? Why can't we dive into that more? Why are we just waiting for technology and engineering to advance? They did. We can go horizontal and we can frack. And we do a pretty damn good job, but we still at best are getting 30% out of the each well bore. So all we can really do is just drill more wells to increase this, the efficiency of our production in our country, which the demand is exponentially, exponentially growing. We can't just put more well bores in the ground over and over for the next hundred years. We have to get more out of our reservoir. Everybody gets it. No one has an answer. Our ability i think between the three of us and all of our guests i think our show has the ability to make that discovery i think our show has the ability to bring people in who are going to lead us to other people and other research and other papers and other publications that is going to raise questions and raise concerns and it's going to drive our listeners and all the young geoscientists and young petroleum engineers to integrate and understand that we have this problem and it's up to us it's our generation it's the young professionals, the millennials, whatever you want to call us. It's us that have to figure this out. So we ask our listeners. We ask everybody involved. That's what we're trying to do. Let's go. Let's figure it out. Let's not hide any of this. It's our, we have to increase our ability to produce hydrocarbons. The world demands it. Well said, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to work. Right? Pretty good rant there. I'll <laughs> Sorry. I'll, get you, I'll give you that. That was, that was solid. <laughs> Oh, solid. We're going to reach out to everybody and anybody that's going to be interested, that's interested in the front lines of interpretation, yep. who's seen a lot of data, and let's just, let's talk. Yep. From the engineering to the geoscience to just 
plain old technical, right? And oil and gas. If they're helping the industry out or they're in the industry, we're getting them on. That's that's the goal. Yes, sir. And I think at that point, we come to a close. Episode zero. Is it in the books? Can we get, let me just pour a little bit more, just another pull of whiskey, just for the cheers. Just for the cheers. Just for the cheers. Not a big deal. And we're out. We're going to take a minute to recognize our sponsors. Mudrock Studio is located in the heart of the Permian Basin, Midland, Texas. It's a world-class recording studio. Contact Anthony Nieto at 432-557-1055. At Borehole Seismic LLC, borehole, surface, and shallow buried array microseismic is their specialty. They deliver accurate and unbiased results superior to those of larger service companies. A standard microseismic velocity model assumes an isotropic medium. Borehole Seismic LLC incorporates more parameters to develop an anisotropic model to battle the real complexities of the unconventional targets. For more information, visit their website at boreholeseismic.com. Their headquarters are located in Houston, Texas. Office phone number is 281-306-2097 and contact Bo Howell through LinkedIn. Roberts Accounting, providing a low-pressure approach to personal and professional services. They have an excellent client retention rate and are extremely proud of their high-quality services that their firm provides. Working closely with their clientele and tax planning and preparation provides a clear picture of tax liabilities and potential ways of avoiding them. Fostering a proactive mindset amongst clients reduces the stresses taxes can cause. They strive to help make the final tax returns a foregone conclusion, rather than a pitfall of potential surprises and setbacks. They encourage their clients to stay in constant contact throughout the years to keep them informed of the changes and the events that will influence their tax situation. For more information, please call 818-884-2334 or visit robertsaccounting.com. UTPB is getting ready for their third annual Geoscience Symposium. The symposium has had terrific success with professionals from the local oil and gas industry coming in to check out the students' research. The symposium this year will include UTPB President Dr. Woodley, Dr. John Rotson, Stanford graduate and president of the Basin Dynamics, as keynote speaker along with multiple students' oral and poster presentations. Mark your calendars, y'all. It's on April 25th.